This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all, where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man, out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter, and delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm actually cooking for Joe's mom today. I got all the ingredients out, cheese and macaroni. That took some time. I think she's going to love this creation I just made up, just top of my head, just made it up. But while I connect Joe's mom with my tremendous gourmet dishes, we'll connect you with Mr. Super Connector himself, Scott Gerber. And in our headline segment, another celebrity overspends, shocking, we'll share the who and the how. Plus, we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to Brenda from Austin, who asks about paying off low-interest rate debts. As always, we'll whip up a letter from the mailbag and mix in some of my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who think that spray can cheese pairs well with bush light, and they'd be right, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. Don't knock it till you tried it. Do you usually use crackers with your spray cheese, or do you just make your tongue a cracker? <laughs> I know which one you do, but 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 I like the rinse. Especially when you're at the grocery store, and you shake it up, and you're just like, ah, <laughs> just so right there. hungry right now. And then you put that one back and go, ah, that one's not very good. I don't like And they're chat. like, uh, sir, please put those down. That's not the taste test aisle. They're like, oh, my bad, my bad. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Stacky Benjamin show. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter and the menace of the spray cheese aisle, the one and only OG sitting across from me. I haven't actually had spray cheese in forever, but now I'm thinking I'm going to try it. I actually have never had it with bush light, but now now I'm on a mission. (laughs) You know how like you put the cheese in your mouth and you put the wine in your mouth and you let them kind of marinate a little bit like the the bush light, the spray cheese. (laughs) Let it marinate a little bit. All of a sudden, it tastes like port rinds and bad decisions. <laughs> Bush. We got a great show today. Scott Gerber is going to be talking about networking today, but not any type of networking, becoming a super connector. So are you a super connector, OG? Just I'm more of a moderate connector. We're going we're gonna to teach you how to up your game then and become a super connector because that's where you need to be. Got to give a big thanks to Upstart for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Before we do anything, though, Upstart OG has changed the way that we borrow money. You know that? I did not know that. Going beyond the traditional FICO score, Upstart offers personal loans, taking into account factors like your job experience and your education when determining your interest rate. Well, there you go. Your job experience and education, not going to be great for you, dude. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm a podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't put that on my application. <laughs> Go to upstart.com slash SB to find out how low your upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes two minutes. 
and won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash SB. Now it's time for the disclaimer, which Upstart doesn't ask me to do, but I do this with no extra fee. I read it like the announcer guy. Loans are offered by Cross River Bank, a New Jersey State Chartered Commercial Bank. Restrictions apply. For details, visit upstart.com slash SB. Bam. How about that, huh? I think uh, Doug should read the disclaimer. <laughs> Maybe you should. Are you saying that wasn't great? I'm saying, uh, yeah, not great. Today's show also brought to you by Stacking Benjamin's Languages. You know, we have the courses, OG. You know, we have like our How to Legally Cheat on Your Taxes course. We have the Save 50 course. But did you know we have language courses? I think I remember this. It's amazing how quickly you can learn language just listening to our show. In fact, we have a testimonial that we put together. Check this out. Bonjour. Welcome to French Made Easy with me, your host, Mathilde. Today, I'm joined by certified financial planner Devin Carroll, and together we will share a popular and simple French phrase so you too can use it in your own life. Sound easy? Sure. Today's phrase is Mutual funds with high fees make me uncomfortable, Larry. In French, you would say this popular phrase just like this. Larry, les fonds de placement avec des frais élevés me mettent mal à l'aise. Once again. Larry, les fonds de placement avec des frais élevés me mettent mal à l'aise. Now, let's hear certified financial planner Devin Carroll try it. Ready, Devin? Okay. Fonds communes de placement, Larry avec des honoraires, élevés me font mal à l'aise. Nailed it. Perfect. See how we sound almost exactly alike? You too can speak French easily and comfortably listening to Stacking Benjamins. See you next time. Au revoir. It's that easy, OG. Super simple. Very, very simple. Head to, uh, I don't even know the URL for that site. (laughs) We got a great show for you today. Scott Gerber, we got some great headlines. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline is uh, a scary one that comes to us from MarketWatch. Uh, this piece is written by uh, Jacob Passy. TV personality Stacy London's cautionary tale about stress, escapism, and the part that affects our wallets going broke. In an essay, the what not to wear stylist detailed how her physical and mental well-being hurt her financial health. Uh, Stacey London rose to fame on the aptly titled television series, What Not to Wear. Now the fashion consultant's getting back on the soapbox to tell people what not to do with their money. In an essay for digital lifestyle publication, Refinery29, London detailed how she spent nearly all of her fortune over the past two years. Isn't that, it's just horrible to hear that. I've spent all of my fortune. I spend every fortune. <laughs> Every time I get a fortune, it's gone. You spend it immediately. I, I I tend to spend it long before it even arrives. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going to show up. Because what could go wrong there? Yeah, it'll be all right. The whole, I totally need this. The whole problem Stacy had in the first place was having a fortune. Yeah, see, if you don't have a fortune, hard to spend it. There's, problem solved. There's the lesson, kids. She says, I wasn't just almost broke. I was broken, London wrote, Ooh. because when happens no one necessarily tells you can get seriously expensive too after most recent tv series love lust or run finished its run 2015 she spent the next year not working on a kind of sabbatical and had figured out she had enough in savings to handle the hiatus but by the end of 2016 she realized she needed spinal fusion surgery to fix long-standing back issues london said she wasn't prepared for how difficult or long her recovery would be she was told it would only take six weeks to recover fully but it took her roughly six months. The medical debt London incurred would have been financially destabilizing enough. London said she's still paying off her medical bills, but it had yet another nasty side effect, clinical depression. To cope, she spent money. London ordered in food twice daily, bought toys for her pet dog, employed a housekeeper and a driver. Then there was online shopping, and she goes on and on and on with what they call OG. They call retail therapy. And boy... Have we seen this over and over? And this is horrible. Medical condition leads to depression, leads to retail therapy, and then it's this spiral out of control. I can tell you when I was a when I was a financial planner, how much medical bills just started bringing on all kinds of other nastiness that people don't think of as a as a 
you know, part of the, the root of the issue. It's kind of a limb of the issue, but it still is part of the issue. Well, don't they say that one of the major causes of bankruptcy is, is medical issues to begin with? Yeah. Disability. And that's why we work with clients when we talk about disability coverage. Not that that might have worked in this case, but but maybe it would have. She would have off for a little bit longer than they anticipated, you know, depending on her prior medical history and stuff. But uh, that kind of whole, it doesn't happen to me thing. So we talk about risk management, whether it's yeah. homeowners or car insurance or any of this other type of stuff. And risk management can also be making sure that you don't budget your lifestyle to the exact penny of your income. You know, if you're in a position that has variable income, how many times did you see this where, you know, you'd have a client that was a commission guy, right? And and he sold generators or something, you know, and, and he made $200,000. You're like, that's twice as good as any year you've ever had. So you must be saving a hundred thousand this year. He goes, oh, no, that, no, that's, that's, that's it's, it, I'm going to get 300 next year. Yeah. I'll save next year. Yeah. And then next year he makes 110 and he's $96,000 in credit card debt. Oh, it's, it's horrible. You it know? doesn't, it doesn't say in here if she had disability coverage, but I'm wondering if she did. I, I mean, I would bet that she didn't being a TV celebrity where she gets these jobs to run just a season at a time, right? That seems a little harder to insure than a nine to five. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not an insurance underwriter, but, um, but they do insure income. So, I mean, if you can prove that is predictable or has happened in the past, I think that the big lesson is don't max out your lifestyle to whatever your income happens to be that particular, you know, year and continue to pay yourself first and you build your lifestyle around what's a predictable uh, revenue stream. Science backs up what you're talking about, OG. Listen to this. This piece says credit cards and online shopping in particular can further distort how people's brains make decisions. A study from researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, found that people paying for something with a credit card were willing to spend up to nearly twice as much as people who bought the same item with cash. Why? Because the brain releases dopamine, a mood-improving chemical, when we use a credit card. But when we use cash, the pain centers are triggered, Klontz, who's one of the researchers involved, uh, said. So um, dopamine gets released. You know, this woman's already got huge back pain. She's not working, right? She's got a bunch of money. She's like, why don't I just make myself feel better today? And you keep just today. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just one more time. Well, and it seems like now she's woken up and I mean, don't get me wrong. This is great that she's allowed herself to be the center of this piece, basically eating some serious humble pie saying, don't be yeah. me. So, Which humble pie is the name of a great red wine. If you're interested, I thought maybe, it was the name maybe of she a, should drink that with her <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> I thought it was a good name for a rock band, but wine, rock band. It's fantastic when you're drinking that and you're like kind of, you got those tears streaming down your face because you're, you're like, my life is encapsulated in a wine bottle. (laughs) (laughs) It is a bad, is there seriously wine called Humble Pie? Oh gosh. Yeah. It's great. Is there really? It's delicious. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. That is a great name for a wine. Our second piece comes to us from Napa-Net, the National Association of Plan Advisors, and it's uh, written by Ted uh, Godbout. Uh, how influential is plan access and participation on retirement planning? This is another one of those deep dive surveys we see at Napa-Net uh, quite often, and I love this one. Workers who participated in an employer-sponsored plan are much more likely than those who have never participated to report that they have recently tried to figure out how much retirement income they need, according to new research. Overall, 41% of those with access and currently participating in an employee-sponsored plan said they've engaged in retirement planning in the past two years, according to the Pew Charitable Trust February 2018 issue brief. Workplace retirement plans tend to sharpen focus on financial futures. That compares with 16% of workers who do not have access and have never participated with, and similarly, 14% of workers who do have access but haven't participated. Seems like you have access and you're actually putting money away. Nearly one in two of those people are doing what we've said that you probably should do, which is... Have a goal. Have the end in mind. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Is this not just a... uh Here's a list of people who are actively participating in their retirement. Interestingly enough, 
they're actively participating in their retirement planning also. But do you think it's the, so do you think it's the chicken or the egg? Do you think it's because they're interested in retirement that they participate, which makes 40% of them then go even further? Or is it they have access and so they participate and so they then go, you know, they, they start seeing this money being saved and that builds that builds this enjoyment. You know, we talked about dopamine when you use the credit card. I think people get really excited. I've I've seen this, I've never seen the medical research, but I gotta tell you, I've seen people in my office when the market was sky high. People were giddy. We're just super oh, yeah. high five and everybody. I'm like, don't high five everybody because this is this is not real, right? Mm-hmm. The numbers, only the number when we take it out. So well, it's really important to have a goal in mind, begin with the end in mind. But is it the access? But is it the access that builds that? Because, you know, a lot of Americans don't have access to retirement plans through their workplace. So is it having better? You're going to flash something in front of somebody's face every so often, right? I mean, that can't hurt. Yeah. You haven't participated in the plan yet. Hello, McFly, McFly. Right. I mean, if you do that enough times, somebody's going to go, I guess I should look. Oh, maybe this is important. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. I get these emails every three months from my my HR department. Even when accounting for other worker characteristics such as education, race, ethnicity, gender, household income, unemployment, history, and age, those who have never participated in employer-sponsored retirement plans are much less likely to plan for retirement than those who participated or are currently participating, the report explains. I just worry about the other side of that, about, um, you know, are they not interested because they just don't have the money because they're not anywhere close to being in a financial spot to work for a company that's with a employer sponsored plan that has has a plan in it. Yeah. 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 If you don't have access to one, you've got to, you got to kind of take the reins and take charge of it yourself. I mean, even, even just a little bit, right. Save $25 a, a week, build your cash reserve, just follow those sound money principles that you hear people talk about over and over and over again. And even if, you know, you're like the person from the first, you know, article that's upside down nine ways to Sunday. It's a cliche, but how do you get yourself out of a hole? Step one is stop digging, right? You right. just have to tear the bandaid off and go, that's it. No more, never again. And just start doing the behavior that's been demonstrated time and time again that, that, that puts you in the right position. And it kind of seems like that's what Stacey London's doing by outing herself, isn't it? You know, well, she's, she's making it, uh, uh, she has an accountability group. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's the tune of a million people that read the article or whatever, you know. Right. And all four of our listeners now, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there's that. So there's that. So n- number one, I love your analogy, Stop Digging. I think that's lesson one. Lesson two, we know it's really, really difficult if you don't have a workplace-sponsored uh, retirement plan. This study just proves it. But man, build your own. Build your own. And you know what? Once you get it built, you'll realize it's not as hard as you thought it was when you first started down the down the right. path. Yep. I love this guy's work, OG. Scott Gerber. He's the CEO of The Community Company, an organization that builds and manages communities for global brands and media companies. If anybody knows community and how to be the center of a community, it's this guy. He's the founder of YEC, an invitation-only organization comprised of the world's most successful young entrepreneurs. He's an internationally syndicated columnist, author of Never Get a Real Job, and co-author of the book we're going to talk about today, Super Connector. He's been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, Bloomberg, Fortune, Times, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, Reuters, Mashable. This goes on forever. You want me to keep going? You know where he is? He's coming down the stairs right now. Let's say hello to Mr. Super Connector himself, Scott Gerber. Scott, have a seat. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me here, man. I appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here and you included us on the book tour. How cool is this, this time, seeing your name in print again with another book? It's, it's pretty special. I can't lie. You know, uh, I, that being said, this other guy that co-wrote it with me, you know, I could have done without that. <laughs> <laughs> My partner, Ryan, I love him. He did a great job, too. We were really excited to write it together. You can say that, though, because he's not here and you are. So, you know. And I'm the extrovert. Isn't that what's expected <laughs> right. of me at this point? Well, Ryan, of course, people know him as being one of the people who created Brazen Careerist, right? Yep. You, with your background we were talking about when you were upstairs talking to mom the two of you getting together that's a connector story right there man how did that happen 
So we have this mutual uh, connector friend named Dan Shaw Bell, and, and Dan is just, you know, a, amazing guy. But he had heard over the course of a couple of weeks uh, through conversations with me and conversations with Ryan based on where we were in our lives, you know, very similar things of what we were working on and the passion which we brought to that work. One day he just said, oh, you've got to meet Ryan and said the same to Ryan. You've got to meet Scott. And here's why you guys are both working on things to really help, you know, young entrepreneurial people, you know, get together, meet, be successful and so forth. And, you know, it took us a couple of weeks and him a couple of nudges because he was really persistent about this introduction. It was not something he was letting go on. So it was this, it was that special sense that you knew based on Dan's passion for the introduction and the follow-up and the intensity of the follow-up for someone who is naturally introverted, that this was something that was meant to be special. And, you know, obviously Dan couldn't have known the success Ryan and I would see together to the degree of which, thankfully, we've, we've been, you know, able to see in business. But uh, he certainly saw something there and, and we built off it ever since and, you know, forever grateful for sure. So Dan's like the perfect example of what you talk about is a super connector. Yeah, I mean, he is someone who, you know, was generous and listening and certainly was looking at the parts of life that were really compelling to Ryan and I and the things we were looking for, our own strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, he fit the puzzle pieces together beautifully. Yeah. And I often joke and and say, you know, Ryan and I want to kill each other, you know, seven days a week, but I, there's no better brother <laughs> that either of us would ever have. Um, but, but that goes to show you the level of just value that that introduction brought, but also that Dan saw in both of us, which is such a rare quality in people to have that kind of foresight and insight into other people. Especially when in the end, and we'll get to this, obviously there's a lot going on for him, Scott, but nobody is like, everybody looks at, as mom says, the short term and obvious, nobody looks at the long term and not so obvious, you know, he getting you and Ryan together, there's no obvious right now, anything in it for Dan. No, absolutely. And I think what's really awesome is, is that when you give habitually and you are really honest and, and have a lot of integrity with the idea that you want to be a non-transactional connector, you know, someone that really is thinking about long-term value and constant value uh, being creative for others, whether you want to call it the law of reciprocity or any of these other nonsense terms, the reality is, is that if you build a, a big enough community around you that you've really been there for, it will come back in spades. I mean, nobody would ever think otherwise. And case in point, now Dan has a network of literally thousands of people indirectly with the people that created those communities and have key stakeholder relationships that if he does need something in his professional life, whether it's his next book you know, that he's writing or whether it's his next venture that he's uh, partnering or doing, he now has access to these massive networks as well. So the indirect value that has been created because of his generosity is truly something remarkable. Man, I want to ask you about cultivating and nurturing that network and, and keeping it organized because I just can't imagine having a network that big. I mean, it's exciting and daunting at the same time. But before we do that, you're the guy who I know, I say the word networking and immediately you go, Ugh. it's <laughs> like, disgusting. Yeah, it's you're gr word. groans all over the place. It's disgusting. I mean, again, I, I equate it to the guy that's at the cocktail party. His main goal in life is to sell you some likely MLM product uh, that <laughs> his you know, best friend's uncle's cousin found out, made him a millionaire. And you know, he's shaking your hand, looking over your shoulder at the next person he's trying to meet in the room while trying to hand you a business card and only talking about himself, not listening worth a damn. And it just makes me insane to think that people today still view this really old school thinking, something that has been bastard for years and years by so many people with poor intention. It makes me cringe to think that this is still the commonplace way to think about being a human and meeting other humans. Does that mean that you, just as a natural extension, you dislike these networking groups like BMI, groups like that? You know, I never call out any particular groups because I do think there are many really good ones. I think uh, like any other thing in life, buyer beware, right? Uh, sure. The reality is, is that when you have certain groups that are built on this idea of uh, quote unquote business card exchange. I think that is a way in which you are telling people, no, really stay with the status quo. It's working. And my answer to that was, well, if it was working, why did you need that group in the first place? Mm. So I, I think that the reality is there are wonderful and incredible groups, whether they're masterminds, whether they're communities, whatever you want to call them. But I think like anything else, you want to really be selective. I think that's the problem. You know, what's it? Groucho Marx or one of the Marx brothers once said, I don't want to have, I don't want to be a member of a club that'll have me as a member. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that the key here is, is that you don't want to put yourself in a situation where the value exchange or value potential is just 
so incredibly low. Uh, and I think by being more selective in who you surround yourself, who's your inner circle, the more value that community will take hold and the lower, longer term value will come from it for all parties considered versus more of that short term gain type mentality. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not networking just for networking sake. Who is this? In Super Connector, you talk about this new connected individual. Give me the avatar, Scott. Who is this person and how are they different than the quote networker? Yeah, again, I think networkers historically have been basically one-sided transactional short-term thinkers. They are people that use this idea of networking as a tactic, right? This is my tactic to meet people. This is my way I sell and I make money on my business. It's very much out for them with a me mentality. It just doesn't make sense, uh, you know, because people smell it. Nobody likes it. Yet we all fall victim to it from time to time, not only through someone else's actions, but our own because we've, you know, sort of gotten lazy or frankly haven't been educated in a really long time around what actually we should be doing. And so the new age connector, someone who is habitually generous, truly curious, an authentic human, someone who really does care about outcomes for others, not just themselves, who is incredibly diligent and respectful of other people's time, but even more hardcore about their own, you know, building systems and being emotionally intelligent and empathetic. These are some of the key traits. Obviously I'm jumping, but you get the idea. Yeah. But I, but I think at the biggest core level, a connector is an individual who thinks about the long term, who thinks about value for others, and most importantly, does not think of connecting as a tactic or a tip or a way in which I sell or a way in which I market myself. It is a mindset by which you live your life. It's no different than if you said, I want to lose 15 pounds. Well, 99% of people that say that are going to go to the Nutrisystems or the quick fix shakes or the bloat, you know, bust your gut ab. <laughs> that's out there. The reality is the ones that are going to be successful for the long term are changing their mindset, their lifestyle, their view of how they see the world. Connecting is no different. It's so powerful. It can be so, so powerful when it's not cheap. I mean, think about it, right? If you look at all the most meaningful relationships in your life, chances are none of those were someone that was selling to you. Chances right. are none of those are, you know, a bunch of people you just met in the last couple of weeks. These are long-term, multi-dimensional, hundreds or even thousands of conversations long style relationships you've built. And so who in their right mind thinks you can cheat that? I mean, that's the insanity <laughs> of the whole concept of networking to me. It's like, I, I give this example. Do you ever, I love talking to marketers, especially marketers that like really don't buy or believe in their own nonsense that they're selling, right? You ever ask a marketer, you know, let's say they tell you some tip or tactic, like how to convert higher in your emails, you know, or any nonsense like that. And it's like these 1% growth hacking conversions, you flip these dials, you do these things. And then you say, hey, so do you answer emails for people that use those kinds of tactics? And more times than not, what do they say? No. <laughs> oh, no, I, I recognize that. I know it's a thing. Yeah, no shit, it's a thing. Like, that's the crazy part of this. Like, people don't buy what they're selling. And that's why this whole thing, I'm sure back in the day in the, in, the, in the old school chamber of commerce, when that was the thing and the only thing, I am sure networking played a really strong role. And like every other platform in life, it has been destroyed, bastardized, and made out to be a one-size-fits-all thing for every single generation thereafter. And it's nonsense. It has been destroyed by the very concept – it has destroyed the very foundation of the concept that it was meant to build. And yet we still do it. Right. No, we still buy books about closing strategies, right? We still buy books about slimy sales approaches. We still, man, I went to a car dealer recently. I don't even know what the heck I was doing there. And I'm like, this guy is so by the book, everything that I shouldn't do. I mean, really, network is networking poorly is just an extension of that. It's all the it's all the same stuff. I want to ask you a question about this. Habitual generosity, you talked about. And I love that approach because if I'm thinking about giving, then I think I'm putting my best foot forward. I'm also putting people together that should be together. But habitual generosity and systems, right? You said to make this a part of your life. How do you in your life, Scott, how do you systematize your habitual generosity? You know, it all starts first by taking a couple steps back, which is who do you want to be habitually generous to? And I don't mean that in the sense of you're going to be selective only based on people that can bring value to you. That's not what I mean. I mean, have you been selective to really surround yourself with amazing people that truly your help will really be 
changing lives will be very valuable to them, that you can go deep on the fewer instead of light and surface level with the hundreds or the thousands, right? I think you got to reset your mindset first and foremost, that your inner circle, the people that you're going to be most generous, that you're going to pick up the phone no matter what, that good times or bad, you're going to be there. That circle needs to be selective, very, very selective. And not just selective based on what industry you're in or, or top level business insights. Selective based on how you live your life. What are your hobbies? What are your interests? What do you look like as a 360 human and not a LinkedIn CV, right? And so that, that's where it starts, building that proper foundation of who you go deep with. And then when it comes to the actual side of generosity, you know, I said this a little bit earlier, connectors are truly hardcore, with their time efficiency. Like that is their secret sauce because time is the only resource you can't buy more of. And so if, if you're going to spend a certain amount of time in your day or your week or your month giving to those that you feel you could play a, a material role in, you have to make sure that one, you don't get inundated by noise. And we'll talk about it in a minute. And two, you have to make sure that the time you're spending has a really big impact, which means you have to ensure that you're giving proper time. But lastly, you also have to make sure you are successful in your own life. And so you can't be habitually generous to the point of digging yourself into the ground because if you just give, 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 then you can't be successful and eventually you will be able to give no more, right? And so ensuring that you are blocking those proper times and, and so forth is crucial. So what do the systems look like? Well, first and foremost, I go back and I say more times than not, you should be saying no. Now, you may say, Scott, you just said be habitually generous. How could you be habitually generous and turn people down? Well, because habitually generous doesn't mean you can help everyone, nor should you, right? You, you also have a reputation to maintain, and every introduction you make can make or break that style uh, of that reputation. Likewise, you probably can't help every person just by nature of where your specialty or the people you know. It's just impossible, and simply trying to fit a square peg into a round hole because you want to be generous is actually a waste of time, both for you, but more importantly for the other person, because then they have to go and take a phone call or build a resource or, you know, buy something or whatever the case may be. Right. So saying no and being okay with why you're saying no and being clear why you're saying no is number one. Number two, you have to determine how you're going to keep up with your network and whether that is something as simple in the book, we talk about people that do like their own version of a spreadsheet that just has different columns and different ways to categorize the relationships they have and keyword, basically things that those people are expert in or last conversations they've had. Or I love insights, that. You know, I am Some so jealous of people that can do that. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that, but, but I read that and I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I mean, there's, there's people that have to find the key. And I think this brings me to system number two is that there is no system that is the system. And the system's job is simply put to save you time, make you efficient, and utilize technology to amplify your humanity, not replace it. And so if you are someone that you use follow-up CC or boomerang to respond to emails that you want to get back to in a week, let's say, wonderful. It's not going to work for everyone. Uh, if you want to build a hardcore CRM or you want to use an Excel spreadsheet or you want to invest in Salesforce, again, it's about your individual efficiency. Super connection is the framework work that is basically meant to be created. It is not the idea of here is the step-by-step -step play of how to be one. And so I think that's important for folks to know. And then the last thing, most important system of all that I follow methodically is if you're going to put yourself out there to be generous to others, you want to make sure that that generosity, one, was valuable and two, was acted upon. Mm. Okay, so the only way in which you maintain a strong network is to understand who the, the weak and strong links are as well. If you're going to put yourself out there and someone asks for your help and then you find out that they left the other person at the, you know, the door or the phone not picking up, not being you know, respectful of the other person's time, well, you're not going to be so happy to be habitually generous in the future, right? Uh, and so you need to know are people actually taking the opportunities you're providing seriously, Likewise, you also want to know how you're doing. It's kind of like a self-assessment, right? You want to know and make sure that you are going to be someone who is right, that your instincts are right, that you're pulling the right context from situational awareness to ensure that you're able to provide the kinds of help that actually is not just, quote unquote, helping someone, right, right. to be a good person and social scripting that you should be doing that versus the person that actually is helpful. So I think those are some of the key insights. I mean, like I said, there's a million and one individual tools or systems or whatever, but the framework is key. Learn to say no and be okay with it. 
Find ways to make sure that you know who's in your network with your own series of basic tech tools or technology platforms that can make you sort of a wizard of Oz, if you will, at a quick search. And then number three, ensure follow-up to assess and to cut or double down depending on actions taken from your assistants. The short-term and obvious is that I take, take, take in my, quote, networking relationships and then I end up spamming everybody. I don't get anything. Uh, Super Connector is exactly the opposite. Give, 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 and you make more, not just money, but relationships and quality of life, I think, Scott, than you ever imagined. You know, it's funny. We also talk in the book a lot about the idea of making an ask, right? Right. Uh, a, a lot of connectors don't know how to ask for things right. because they, they're always being so generous. It's like, oh, man, I don't know if I should ask this person. Of yeah, because there's – feel bad about it. Right, because there's times when you need your network. I mean, you yeah. built this network. At some point, you're going to have to use it. You, you Listen, I mean, if you are – really building a group of people around you that are exceptional humans. It's not a points type of score. It's not like, oh, well, I helped him five times, so uh, he has to help me five times. Or it's not, you know, it, it can't be that level of thinking. This is not that kind of way of doing business or living your life. If you like who you surround yourself with, then people will be there for you if they know, even if you haven't recently been there for them, they know you would be. And so that kind of ethos is the foundational elements of how you want to build all your relationships. But even making simple asks of your community is important. But you can't be a good connector unless you understand what you're asking for. And I find it remarkable that most people still can't make an ask to save their life. So give me an example. <laughs> There's not a week that goes by where myself or Ryan doesn't get an email, something like this. You've probably gotten one too, uh, which is, uh, hey, would really love to work together. Let's find 15 minutes. Right. And I'm like, oh, crap, no. What? Yeah, what what are we working on? Are we a sponsor? Is this a a partnership? Do you want to go get coffee and talk about your business? Like, what are you wanting to talk about? And nine times out of 10, if you respond and say, cool, tell me, like, what do you want to talk about? They won't get back to you, or it'll just be like, oh, no, I just think that, you know, you're great, or that we have similar industries. Like, what does that mean? So, you know, you got to be specific, and you have to know when you don't know the ask but you know the kind of thing, the the beginning stages, the kernels. And you can go to someone and say, look, I don't really know exactly what I'm looking for yet or who I'm looking for yet, but this is kind of my issue. Can I talk to you about this? And when you find other connectors in your world that you can have those meaningful and trusted conversations with and they can pull context out of you, they help you be a lens of what you're actually looking for. And then you can structure that to actually be helpful in the way in which you're making your ask. Or the connector, if they're worth their salt, is going to do what I would have done in the first place for someone else, which is extract context, extract context, ask great questions, and then say, hey, maybe you're looking for this kind of person because X, Y, Z, and I might know that person, or he might know that person. But the key is, is that, you know, it's about knowing what you should be asking and being incredibly clear. We have a, a person in the book that we talk about named Steve Sims, and he has a wonderful quote. He's like, I make it impossible for myself to be misunderstood. Mm. And that's something that I think every connector needs. They need to have clarity, they need to have purpose, and they need to be mindful. And I think if you can be those things, you can be very successful in whichever way, whether you're connecting others or trying to connect yourself. So I'm reading through the book, Scott, and I'm thinking, you know, this book kind of picks up where one of my classic favorites, Never Eat Alone, leaves off. And then I flip back to the front and I go, holy crap, you got Keith Ferrazzi, who, who wrote the book, Never Eat Alone, did your foreword. How did, how did you network that? So this is one of my frameworks that uh, I, I just really believe in a lot of connectors do as well. And first and foremost, it was, I hope Keith felt this way. I certainly don't want to put words in his mouth. I hope he felt honored because my sort of, and I'll explain how I did it in a minute, but my sort of discussion with him was, Keith, you've inspired a generation of people with Never Eat Alone, myself included. And I've then taken your framework and built upon it right. what I believe the next steps are. And so sort of an honor, I wanted to honor his initial foundation that had led, has led me to see success. So in a way, it's almost like a validation of his methodologies, his words, his actions. But at the same time, it is, I think, the next iteration, the next generation of what that Never Eat Alone sort of set off uh, you know, a decade or so ago. That being said, a connector, what do you think? You, you email someone? You, you call someone cold? Absolutely not. I sent him a personalized 30-second video explaining how much impact he had on my life and explaining exactly what I was looking for him to do and explaining exactly what I believed, say, the publisher uh, was going to be okay in terms of things like how his name would show up and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I did it purposefully in a video. 
and emailed him a video instead of writing it down because I wanted to make sure when he did look at it, like he could see my context. He could see my expressions. He could see and smell and feel my passion. He could be across the table from me instead of just like everybody else in his inbox that day. And we find a lot of connectors. Again, I I really want to leave your listeners with this, and that is technology somewhere along the way has been trying to destroy your humanity and instead (laughs) replace it with this sort of digital infrastructure and digital architecture. However, we're seeing this now even with things like Facebook changing their algorithms all the time, is that it is not about destroying or replacing your humanity. Tech is supposed to amplify your humanity. And so you see a lot of connectors who don't shoot emails to do introductions. They'll do personal videos. Jason Gagnard of Mastermind Talks does that all the time when he's introducing me to other people. Or you have people like Joe Polish, uh, right. who, who's a genius network. And you know he, he doesn't actually text you. He'll record an audio thing instead. And even though it's more impactful because it's like, wow, that's his voice. I can hear how he sounds. If he's laughing, it's not, ah, ha, ha, LOL. It's <laughs> you know, very different, right? You feel different. It probably took him less time and Jason less time to do those authentic visually impacting conversations or introductions than if they typed it up. And so that's the same way I did it with Keith. And he got back to me being very touched. And here we are. That is so awesome. By the way, my favorite my favorite meme about Never Eat Alone is that, I don't know if you've seen this, Scott, but it's that uh, the guy sitting at a table reading Never Eat Alone while he's eating alone. <laughs> I have seen it. Yep. Mm-hmm. The book is, is Super Connector. It's out in a week. Uh, how do people pre-order it? Well, you can go anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 800-CEO-READ, and others, or you could just uh, check out superconnectorbook.com and pick your journey from there. Awesome. We'll link to it in the show notes at stackybenjamins.com. Scott Gerber, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, oh man, am I cooking on my new fangled creation I lovingly refer to as cheese and macaroni. The only hitch in this problem is that the stores, they only sell the hard macaronis. I gotta find some of the soft ones. I've been up and down all four aisles in my grocery store. I can only find the hard kind. Anyone know where I can score some of those? Nah, well, I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. But while I was working up this culinary delight, I was listening to Joe and Scott Gerber talk about super connectors, and I realized I already know all about that because even my phone has 3G connectivity. Not only am I a connector, but my phone is. And I'll bet 3G means you're a super connector. So here's today's trivia question. What does the G mean in 3G? I don't know if that's actually trivia. I just really want to know. I'll be back with the answer and hopefully some soft macaroni in just a moment. Thanks to Upstart for supporting Stacky Benjamins. You know, the New Year's luster might have worn off, guys, but there's still plenty of time to make this, this the year you get your personal finances on track. It's time to take a step forward toward financial freedom and take two minutes to check out Upstart. Quick and easy, Upstart's rate check is free. Checking has no effect on your credit score, and you can receive your money as soon as the very next business day upon approval. It's funny. We've had so many people on the show. I'm thinking of Eddie Lamb uh, was one of those people who knows a lot about money, has what he thought was a great, great reliability toward paying off loans, and yet denied during the process. Just so frustrating when that happens. Perhaps you were denied for a loan from a bank, or you were approved, but your rate is astronomical. Say goodbye to the traditional loan process, and hello to our sponsor, Upstart. Simply put, they've reimagined the personal lending industry. They know you're a ton more than just a FICO score. And that's why they take into account factors that banks and credit unions just don't when determining your credit worthiness, rewarding you for things like job history and education in the form of a smarter interest rate. So go online, take two minutes to find out your upstart rate. Two minutes. As I mentioned earlier, checking is free and won't affect your credit. Plus, once you're approved, your loan will be funded the very next business day. So you need to pay off credit cards, pay off student loans, you name it. And a personal loan from Upstart can help. Hurry to upstart.com SB to find out how low your Upstart rate is. That's upstart.com SB. Disclaimer, 
Loans are offered by Cross River Bank and New Jersey State Chartered Commercial Bank. Restrictions apply. For details, visit upstart.com SB. When you're done messing around with us, who do you want to teach you some money tricks? That nerd who talks over your head or your favorite basement-based geeks? Kathleen Selmans operates our Stacking Benjamins classroom. And to make up for the fact that we don't teach you anything here on the show, she's created a whole lot of tools you'll absolutely love. Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com for details. And use coupon code DougRocks for 10% off. Yeah, you're welcome. Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, with a couple story endings I just did not see coming. First, Joe's mom told me, you gotta do like these complex science experiments on your stove to get the hard macaronis to magically turn into soft ones. It's something called boiling. There's all kinds of beakers and tubes and it's very complicated, but who's got time for that? Second, your trivia answer. What does the G in 3G stand for? 3G is short for third generation, as in third generation of wireless mobile telecommunications technology. 3G telecommunication network support services that, and I'm reading straight from Google here, folks, if you couldn't tell beforehand, provide an information transfer rate of at least 200 kbits slash s, whatever those are, kibits, kibits, the kibits, 200 kibits a second. Anyway, all I know is I process information way faster than that. But this boiling thing's throwing old Doug for a ringer. I'm, I'll get it eventually. I'll figure it out. See ya. Nailed it. Of course I did. Amazing. You're a tech whiz kid. Yeah. Also, I'm really good at trivia. <laughs> Although I haven't won any money on HQ trivia yet. I haven't played HQ trivia because that just seems like a rabbit hole for me. It's only one time a day. Oh, good. Once a day. It takes like 10 minutes. That's good. And it's live, right? You got to be there it's at totally that time. Live. You got to be at that time. Yep. Yeah. And if you're the if you're one of the last people standing, you win the part of the pot. Bada boom, bada bing. Yep. I would have not been close. <laughs> That's it. Like, uh, how many questions is it? So it looks like the norm. I've only done a couple of them, but it looks like the normal days episodes are 12 questions. And the first three are pretty easy. And then, it, then they drop like a savage question in there, they call them. <laughs> You know, like the, so the first, first savage question I got right was what's a tarantula hawk? Three multiple choice questions, right? Type of bird, type an airplane or a wasp. The answer of course is a wasp. Yes. And you know that cause you live in Texas, right? Cause you know, tarantula hawks are just, it's terrible. Right. But then 40% of the people miss the question. So like, it just keeps on getting pared down. You watch it in real time. Boom, 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 boom. Last night, it was a $25,000 prize. Five people won. Five and, grand. And once you're done, you just go away? Well, you can sit and watch the rest of it, yeah, but you're yeah. out. Yeah, so you're just done. HQ trivia. Wow. That's awesome. We should do that here. Have, give uh, away 25000 yeah. Give away 25000 bucks. Give away. Well, we'll give away 25000 something. Well, let's, it's not limited just to money. Let's, like, hugs or, you 25, know, high fives. <laughs> 25000 We didn't specify what. That's what I said. Let's not limit it to money. That's so actually that's so 2000s. We're like the new new age. I love this idea. Speaking of new age, it's funny how some things you hear once in a while, but some things you hear over and over from really smart people. And uh, Scott Gerber saying that the key to being a super connector is start every relationship with what can I do for you instead of what help. can you do for me? is just yeah. the, that's the flipping golden rule, man. How come we meet people at so many places, so many junctures of our life that don't, don't do that? Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, of, well, you, you know, this guy, Hey, I need you to do this for me instead of what can I do for you? Yeah. I know one guy specifically on Facebook I'm thinking of right now. That's, that's the biggest marketer. And he's, he just, I, he comes across as so slimy. It's always me, 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 me. You know, there's that Brian Regan bit about me, 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 me. He walks into a room, me, 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 me. 
And he's like, well, my yacht, my thing, my whatever. He goes, imagine that guy goes in a room with John Glenn. We got to play that piece. Yeah. We totally got to play we that should. piece. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit later. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but anyway, for now, why don't we throw out the Haven Lifeline OG, tackle some of life's, rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends down at the Old Haven Life Insurance Agency, they've been spearheading innovation within the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. Spray cheese and bush light. <laughs> And and it's it and it's not either or it's both together. Yes, at yes, the same time. absolutely. Uh, it's either that or your family or your time. People can choose. Although if you had to die at a bush light and uh, <laughs> a bush light and spray cheese, I'm not sure how your Haven Life uh, medical exam. I'm not sure you'd be able to skip the medical exam if that was all you ate and drank every day might uh, be a problem there. But it's why they created a high quality and most importantly affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online and there's no need to wait several weeks for a decision when you can get one instantly at Haven Life. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way. That's stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Today we're throwing out the Haven Lifeline to our new friend Brenda. Say hi, Brenda. Hi, Joe and OG. This is Brenda from Austin. Here's my situation. I'm 28 years old and I make $100,000 a year. I max out a 403B and a Roth IRA every year and I contribute regularly to an M1 finance brokerage account. My question is about 0% credit card debt. I have about $3,500 in credit card debt at 0% through promotional offers and I have a $9,500 debt to a previous employer for a tuition reimbursement loan that I now have to pay back because I was unable to continue working with that employer after I graduated from grad school. Thankfully, that tuition reimbursement loan, I am paying back at 0% in $100 per month payments. My question is, do I focus my energy on continuing to max out my 403B, max out my Roth IRA, and invest in my brokerage account Or do I focus my energy on paying off these debts so I can be debt-free? Part of me wants to pay off these debts so I don't have any more monthly payments towards debt, but the other part of me feels like I'm losing money by paying those debts, which are at 0% when I could be making money investing. What would be the best thing to do in this situation? Thanks for all your help. I don't expect to learn anything, but I thought I'd give it a shot. Bye. Hey, thanks, Brenda, for the question. OG, what do you think? She's got this 0% stuff hanging over her head. It sounds like at $100 every time she pays it, she's not going to get there anywhere quick. First of all, the 0% uh, promotional offer on the credit card will expire at some point in time. So you want to be aware of when that is and either credit card surf that, go to Magnify Money and try to find another 0%er to to surf that or, or have it paid off by then. But just hold on there a second. Are you saying that because if she doesn't pay it all off, Sometimes those promotional offers mean that yep. you're going to pay all Back the interest anyway. The interest. Yeah. yeah, they go from day one, we're going to add up all this kind of deferred interest, you know, like if you buy a couch or something. $13,000 in debt total, you're saving roughly 25000 a year plus your M1 savings, whatever that might be. You know, uh, I'd take the next six months to pay it off. I mean, sometimes financial decisions don't just boil down to the black and white. I mean, it sounds like you've got a really... Kind of emotional side of this, which which really makes a lot of sense because finance isn't just black and white. Otherwise, nobody would have credit card debt ever because that's a terrible idea. So I would take the next six months and just pay it off. You know, from a timing standpoint, yeah, you could look at it and go, well, shoot, I'm going to lose out on six months of the market going up. Well, you know, if it's like the last five weeks, you know, maybe you work at that. Maybe that works in your favor. <laughs> you know, the market's gone down a little bit, but um, in any event. I like the idea of just kind of hammering on it and be done with it. Maybe not the smartest quote unquote money choice because you could have some money in the market and maybe you make a few bucks in interest on or, or, or dividends and returns. But I like the idea of being debt free and it sounds like you do too. So I would, uh, I'd pause everything, crank on it, see if you can't knock it out in maybe four months and then restart everything up again. Call it, uh, I don't know, midsummer. I had a little more muted response. The mathematician in me, OG, I totally agree with the emotional spot. I didn't think you were going to go that way. My thought would have been... I'm all about warm hugs and teddy bears, dude. You know that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird day for you. When we think about paying it off to Brenda's point of view, just with the 0%, especially 
especially that larger old employer loan. I know it bugs her a little bit. So what I would do is just make the regular payments whenever she gets a windfall, you know, from time to time you get money, maybe you get some money on your birthday, or maybe you get some money, you get a, a, a IRS refund that you didn't expect. <laughs> you, get, you get a little money back. Yeah. What's that? Isn't that one funny? But if Brenda works for somebody, she gets a refund. Maybe she applies a refund to it. So if for from time to time, maybe she, you know, picks up some after hours thing work that she does, side hustle income that she gets, just applies that to this uh, 0% stuff and just makes regular payments. She'll have it gone faster, but then she's also largely, you know, sticking with investing in the places that pay. Increasing your net worth. So there you got two different ways it to handle it, Brenda. Net worth both ways. It does. Yeah. But but mine's way better. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Brenda. Uh, these are always fun. Uh, our second question comes to us from Thomas. Thomas has a question centering around the idea or the ability to convert a Roth 457 to a Roth IRA. If gains were originally made while monies were in a Roth 457 that have been converted to a Roth IRA, are they then accessible before 59 and a half without any tax penalty? If so, is there a five-year seasoning period like a traditional IRA to a Roth conversion? If no seasoning is required, are they then immediately accessible? Thanks for the letter. Doug just brought that down with the mail. So you can never take gains from a Roth IRA before 59 and a half. So your contributions are accessible, but not gains. It sounds like this was always a Roth 457 or it was a traditional 457 and then he converted to it to, I guess you, I guess you can't really convert to a Roth 457. So I'm, my guess is that this has always been contributions. Yeah, he's been putting money in as a Roth 457. Yeah. And then he left the job or whatever and rolled it over to a Roth IRA. So that's totally normal to do. So your gains never accessible until you're 59 and a half without a penalty contribution. I don't know the answer to that. I'd have to look that up. My guess is, is that your contribution would be accessible as long as you met the five-year rule, which is you have to have the account open for five years. Um, and I think that transcends regardless of where it was, 457 or Roth. But I'd want to double check that or have your tax side double check that. I think it's time to check with a professional. He said he's also checked Reddit. He was checking us too. He says, hope this clarifies. I'm clueless. <laughs> it yeah. does clarify. It's muddy water, Thomas. That's OG's opinion, and uh, we still think you should probably get uh, one from a tax advisor. Mm -hmm. So good stuff. Thanks for the letter, Thomas. If you want to get a hold of us, head to stackybedjamins.com, and across the top of the page, it says questions. Click that button, and guess what? You'll get all the different ways to reach the Stacky Benjamins show. Thanks also to everybody who leaves a review of this podcast and lets people know what craziness they're getting into when they listen We've gotten some really funny reviews. Here's one that's going on, Mom's Fridge OG. Five stars from Full of Gunk. Full of Gunk doesn't sound good, does it? This is the financial podcast you're looking for. I started listening to the show about two and a half months ago when I started my own personal finance journey. Step one was to find a regular show I could listen to that would keep me thinking about my own goals and maybe teach me something along the way. Unfortunately, I haven't learned a thing from Joe and OG, but they do keep me thinking my only complaint is that the show is only three days a week. Fear not. Money in the Morning podcast provides me a daily fix. Thanks, Joe and OG. Thank you, full of gunk. Hope you're not always going to be full of gunk, but uh, very, very nice. And mom's putting that on the refrigerator for her bridge club. Uh, and thank you also for the kind words about Money in the Morning. That's been a fun little labor of love. And for some people that don't like all of our playfulness here, and you just want to kind of get to the point really quickly, which is... Sometimes that's what the reviews say, which is not the point of the show at all. It's getting to the point. If you want a show that gets to the point a little quicker, Money in the Morning is for you. 15 minutes at most, two headlines, bam, we're done. Good stuff there. But guess what? I got something else to say, OG. What's that? You're taking clients. Oh. And you know how people get that? Here's what they do. They head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G. That will lead to your calendar, which allows people to then interface with you via the interwebs, 3G technology or higher. Prop, hopefully, required. I was going to say hopefully higher at, yeah. this, at this juncture. 3G required. Yeah, because whenever my phone says 3G, I groan because life's slowing down. But not, not for Doug. 
But for everybody, <laughs> for, for, life's already slow for Doug. For everybody else, it's slowing down. Stackofbenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G, leads you to his calendar, and uh, you can find out how he can be in your corner helping you reach your financial goals. Coming up on Friday, Amanda, we got a great roundtable. We've got Whitney Hansen from the award-winning Money Nerds podcast, you know, back at FinCon this year. Whitney and uh, us, Whitney and us, is that is that correct? Whitney and us together, we won uh, the two podcasting awards. I think it'd be Whitney and we. Whitney and we won. Whitney and we won. That just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get, you get rid, rid I know. of the Whitney part. No, it's correct. Like, it's correct. It just sounds awful. I think it's correct. I don't know. Yeah. One of those weird things. Whitney and we won. Like I before E. Best podcast. She won best new podcast and we took home the best podcast award. <laughs> so excited. Whenever Whitney's on the show, it's great radio. And I'm sure it'll be on Friday again, along with our friends, OG and uh, Mr. Len Penzo from lenpenzo.com. So good stuff. All right, Doug, what should we have learned today? Yeah, sure thing, Joe. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned, but I'm going to have to make it quick because I got to get back into the lab to figure out how to soften up my macaroni. So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Scott Gerber. Want to have effective networking? Ask, how can I help you instead of what can you do for me? And you're headed one big step in the right direction. Second, spending problems? Yeah, they can be tied to your emotions. So when you're not feeling well, retail therapy, as they call it, isn't going to help the situation. Trust me, how do you think I got my El Camino? Find qualified help and leave your pocketbook stashed away. But the big lesson, don't try to fix dinner for Joe's mom. That woman can't be satisfied. Hey, you know what? Joe gets his food magic from Blue Apron. I think next time I'm just going to snag that box off his front porch and make that for her. She's got to love it. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. Trust me, this well-oiled machine didn't get like this all by itself. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the After Show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. Uh, if you've never seen Brian Regan live, which I have never seen Brian Regan live, my brother's seen him twice and told me both times, he's like, you got to go. I've only seen like one or two comedy shows live and I saw George Carlin and I kind of on a like, a, eh, you know, there's nothing else going on. Let's go see George. I'm so happy I did, of course, now that he passed away, but damn, he's funny. These guys are really funny. I've seen really funny Jim Gaffigan live and friends of ours were going to see Jim Gaffigan live this year. And I was out of town and was coming back that evening. It was sad because another friend of mine bought all the tickets too. And they were like second row, but Jim Gaffigan, I was at the back of the theater. Uh, it was an outdoor place near Detroit. I was back in the lawn and I, 
I had a stomach ache. I was laughing yeah, so hard. You couldn't breathe. You're laughing oh, so hard. His whole thing. He, he just gets you on a roll and you start laughing. Then he kicks you in the gut again and he kicks you in the gut again. He kicks you in the gut again. And this whole bit he had about baloney being the unappreciated stepchild in the meat family was just so good. Was so, so good. But anyway, this is uh, Brian Regan talking about people that have the, have the me problem. That's why I have a social fantasy. I wish I was one of the 12 astronauts who have been on our moon. They must love knowing they can be anybody's story whenever they want. They can sit back quietly at a dinner party while some other person, some me monster, is doing his thing and let him go. Let him run with the line while you be quiet. Oh, really? <laughs> Let him have his moment. Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on, you know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. You know, I get a Swiss account that I want to check out. Mount Kilimanjaro expedition. Might have to cancel that. You know, runways on Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. You know, you know the Pacific Rim Company. We're going to try to take that over. And blah, 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 blah. global enterprise. Blah, 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 I walked on the moon. (laughs) Well, you have the floor, moonwalker. (laughs) You know, you mentioned driving on the Autobahn. That reminded me. Once I was driving in the sea of tranquility. (laughs) In my lunar rover. And I, too, was worried about our speed till I remembered, wait, we're the only ones on the moon. That's so good. Let's see if I can turn that off. That's so good. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Don't you wish that sometimes, though? He makes Scott Gerber's point so well there. Yeah. Because you've been on those conversations. You're like, oh, Oh, crap. Oh, yeah. I'm in this thing. Yeah, let me tell you how awesome I am. All right. In case, in case you didn't know, stand by. I'm going to tell you. Right, here it comes. Oh boy! All right, man. Later. Okay. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you, and as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.